Hello, Tile friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Tile Money Podcast. My name is Luke Miller, your host, and I am a contractor by trade. And uh, today we are going to be talking with Jana Valafolco about mindfulness in the workplace. And uh, I want to thank my sponsors, the NTCA and Ladecree International for sponsoring this episode. And I first kind of, let me just turn this music down. I was first made aware of uh, mindfulness, this article that uh, Jana wrote, mindfulness in the construction industry in the um, in, in an article here. And I, I posted the link in the comments uh, on Thrive Global, I guess it was. And uh, it's a great article. And I, I, I started digging into this. Who is this? And, and what is this mindfulness? I've, I've actually personally kind of been on this uh path of mindfulness and and being aware you know and so it really perked my interest and i want to show you uh let's see i'll share my screen here and so i started digging around and, and saw this beautiful website it turns out that jana is a, a part owner in this uh you know tile contractor business and italian tar- tile artisans is what they call themselves and i just i love their website it's beautiful um, they really specialize in high-end, you know, work, and uh, you know they have a beautiful website. CTI uh, member, uh, NTCA member, you know, uh, Better Business Bureau, and then I started digging around and I saw this True Fairy Tile Stories, and I thought, what is that? So I looked at that, and here it is, their story, a True Fairy Tile story, and I just love this. The honesty, you know, and this is what really I think the about page of your website should be like, you know, tell your story. And it's this it's this poem, I want to say, about how Jana met her husband and how her husband learned the trade and how, you know, together they're, they built this beautiful business. So I just think that's so awesome. And I just wanted to share that before we bring Jana on here. Um, and so without further ado, let me bring Jana on and uh, she can correct me if I've mispronounced her name. Jana, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. And your pronunciation was like A plus in Italian lessons. So. <laughs> right on. <laughs> thank you. So uh, listen, tell us about yourself. Give us the 10,000 foot overview of your, your company, um, your business, you know, the tile business that you and your husband, you know, own together and operate. Okay, so I love that you went to the website and thank you. I haven't looked at that in so long. Um, and that really is, I, I think you kind of conveyed it well. So we're really a mom and pop shop and we did want to convey that on our website. We built that website 21 years ago. And mm. I mean, we've changed it a little since then, but we really did start out. My husband, um, he did building restoration. He's from Italy and I met him in 97 while I was studying oil painting there. And and, um, you know, he was, so, I want to say self-taught. He trained with an uncle and he really, he's an artisan and he had the courage to start his own business about a decade before I met him. And so when we moved to the United States, I, I was pregnant with our first child. Um, we decided to start a tile business. So his mm-hmm. background was in building restoration, but things are very different there. Everything's masonry. And the one thing that was consistent was tile. Mm-hmm. So we started our business and um, I can honestly say, and I noticed, I didn't even realize NTCA was a sponsor. NTCA has been by far the greatest resource that we've had, you know, if I could name one resource in the industry. Um, In 2012, we became a five-star designated member and we're definitely one of the smaller businesses of five-star members. You know, there are a lot of big commercial companies and we're just a small, more residential. I say high-end, we do specialize in high-end, but we do jobs of all sizes, all, all different levels. You know, mm. every job is important to us. Um, and so uh, my background, my undergrad was in psychology and I've always been fascinated by the brain. Mm-hmm. And so as I started, I did yoga for many years and I learned about mindfulness and there's a lot of neuroscience involved in that, which we'll probably get to in this podcast, but there, there is a lot of brain science in there. So a few years ago, um, about six years ago, I just started incorporating these mindfulness concepts into our business. And, you know, it's been incredibly helpful and meaningful and it's resonated with a lot of people. So it's, it's become a, you know, it's certainly a part of my aspect of the business and NTCA has been amazing in letting me write about it for one of their publications and they embraced it. Leslie Godden, 
practices mindfulness. She's the editor mm-hmm. for, I think, you know, the big publications. The tile letter. Yeah. yeah, the tile letter and just an amazing, inspiring, you know, industry person. So I've been so lucky to be able to share that with her. Yeah, for sure. And now you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 reaching people and I think it's a great yeah. topic. One that doesn't always, you know, come up in construction workers, you know, everyday thinking and thought process when you're building a business. Um, but it, it certainly is an important subject, you know, and something that I think at some point we all, you know, start to kind of think about and, you know, as we mature and, you know, curious to know how, you know, some people just seem to have everything together and, you know, they're growing these beautiful businesses and have these beautiful families and we start digging around and researching. And I think that's, you know, what leads a lot of us to this, you know, topic. So maybe tell us about, you know, uh, your journey, why mindfulness, you know, how mindfulness is such a powerful impact for business owners. Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, I think mindfulness kind of is something that if it's if it occupies one aspect of your life, it's going to occupy other aspects of your life because it it, it affects all aspects of your life. So, um, I can kind of explain to you a little bit about what it is, if that would help, and then how it yeah kind of maybe ties into business. Yeah, let's give it. The basics, maybe the introduction. Sure. So I, because it's kind of this word that sounds a little woo woo to a lot of people. And so I, I always like to demystify it if I can. So it's think of it as fitness for the brain. That's mm-hmm. one way to look at it, right? Okay. We, we do all these things to make our bodies healthy and fit. And it's something that allows our brain and our mind rather to really kind of be trained in a certain way. Um, there are lots of different ways of, of describing it. Um, Some people say it's being aware. So it's the opposite of being on that autopilot mode where you're not really paying attention. Um, It's also been described as the process of separating ourselves from our thoughts. So a lot of times we kind of become our thoughts. We're so trapped in our thoughts. We forget that they're just thoughts. Whereas when we learn to practice mindfulness, we become the observer of our thoughts. So in my definition of of really what mindfulness is, and then I can explain how I incorporate it with the business, it's kind of got four basic principles. So it's being in the present without judgment, with compassion, and with curiosity. And this, you've probably heard the term, you know, be present, Mm -hmm. which doesn't always mean that much to people, but being present, if you really think about life, when we are not present, when we're not living in this actual moment right here where you and I are looking at each other and speaking to each other, our minds wander off to the past and the future. So it's like the should-haves of the past and the shoulds of the future. And that's when we start to suffer. And there's a wonderful yoga teacher once said to me, don't talking about the shoulds and the should have, she said, don't should all over yourself. And we really do. We (laughs) are shooting all over ourselves. So, and it's then that we start to feel like we failed or we feel shame and regret or fear about the future. So that, that presence really learning to like, you know, when you're listening to someone or talking to someone, look them in the eyes. And when you're eating something, you know, enjoy it, taste it. Um, When you're with your children, be there with them. Um, And then this idea of curiosity, compassion, and trying not to judge. Um, So that's what it is. And then you had said, you know, in our business. um, So I don't know if you've heard the term VUCA, a VUCA world. Mm -mm. Um, So VUCA, this is a term that I think it originated talking about something in terms of military, a military situation, but it's been used you know, a lot of in the business world in the present. And VUCA is an acronym for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And I think that's just so defining of what our, you know, our business world is like right now. And of course, our personal world too. So mindfulness helps us navigate those, those, the volatility, the uncertainty, the ambiguity. There's a lot of ambiguity, you know, ambiguity. It's like, yes, um, be kind, but put yourself first. You know, we're, we're getting a lot of these ambiguous signals. And, um, so it's mindfulness has been brought in and, and like big companies like Google, Target, General Mills, Aetna, Intel, um, major sports teams, 
you know, all of them are investing in mindfulness because it has been so productive. I mean, we're talking, you know, if you're just looking at numbers, they're getting a return on their investment. They're seeing, you know, improvements and, and I, I could go on and on about that, but, um, like employee performance, um, interpersonal relationships, employee loyalty, all kinds of things like that. So in other words, they're, they're investing in mindfulness for their companies uh, because they're tracking it just like all business owners should do. Whenever exactly. you invest time or money in your business, you got to track that and then, and then make sure you, you see a return on investment. And what you're saying to us is they're seeing a real return on investment. So we should, mm-hmm. as business owners, we should be interested in this. You should be, you just said it exactly like you heard everything I said. You listened very mindfully, <laughs> but that's exactly it. And and you can also think of it as this, you're really investing in people and to do, I mean, you know, for a small business like us, it's, you know, we don't have to build a mindfulness space and, and get corporate classes and, and do trainings. We can just kind of start to change the culture. There are all kinds of small steps you can take. Mm, yeah, I like it. So what would... I mean, the small steps you can take, what would the first step be? Okay. So I'll tell you there, I mean, I'll tell you some little things that we've done. So the first thing I did, and, and it sounds a little, you know, maybe is simple and, and ineffective, but it really made a difference is we had a gratitude jar and I put this gratitude jar in our office. And this started years ago with one of my office managers and we would write a note and just say something for which we felt grateful. And we really started that as a practice more when things went wrong, right? So we'd say, Oh my God, this, I just hung up the phone with this, you know, really unhappy client. And I felt like I just couldn't give him or her, I couldn't resolve the situation, you know, in, in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And so we'd choose some, or someone wouldn't pay us, or we'd, you know, some dispute, some conflict. And we'd say, okay, well, let's find something for which we do feel grateful. And it might be so-and-so was very kind or so-and-so was so forthcoming, or this went really well, or, I mean, it could be something from a personal life. It doesn't have to be business related. And then we'd have the UPS driver come in and he'd drop a note in there. (laughs) And, um, you know, it was, if you, if we put it in a certain place in the office, it was more visible. And the reason this is effective, and this sounds kind of strange, but, you know, we, the brain, this is all the neuroscience stuff, the brain, um, our emotions create you know, trigger our brain to create different, to signal the different chemicals be made in the body. And so stress hormones are cortisol and adrenaline. And those are like the, the survival response stress hormones. But mm-hmm. when we're feeling compassion and gratitude mm-hmm. and these, what we call high vibrational emotions, we make very different chemicals. We make serotonin and, um, it, you know, that feel good hormone. And so by feeling gratitude, you're actually changing the chemistry of your brain. And I once had a, a very interesting um, practitioner of biofield science. She she worked with energy and Reiki, if you've heard of that, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just moving energy around. And she talked about gratitude as a superpower. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ha- feeling gratitude, I mean, it's just kind of, if you want to simplify it, it's forcing you to focus on the positive. Yeah. Sounds really simple, but that's rewiring your brain and that's changing the chemicals that are being made in the body. So that was a practice we brought in. And then I I started doing intention setting. I've been predominantly involved in the design with clients in design and creating spaces mm-hmm. and plant space planning. So what I started doing was, you know, I'd get to know my clients. Again, we're a mom and pop shop. We're very hands-on human connection, personal experiences. And I would... I talked about, let's set an intention for this space. And an intention is just kind of an emotion that you want to amplify or cultivate in a space. So we wouldn't just plan the kitchen. We'd say, well, you know, is this a space for creativity or is this a space for loving kindness? And then based on that, it would become so easy to make selections because, or if if it was for a room that was meant to be peaceful Mm -hmm. and you would eliminate a whole bunch of selections that weren't peaceful. They weren't, you know, aligned with this intention. And it sounds a little woo woo at first, but you know, there's a lot of methodology to it. So it it really seemed to work. No, I, I believe it. Um, and you're obviously doing it and 
finding clients that are, you know, are paying you to do that type of, you know, yeah. design and intention. I, and I, I also, you know, have been, you know, really, you know, focusing on some of these, a lot of the stuff of what you're talking about. And so it's really, you know, I'm agreeing and it's ringing true. And, you know, the gratefulness thing, I, I believe in 100%. I mean, uh, recently our friend, you know, Shannon Huffstickler has been, you know, posting every day, almost like five things she's grateful for. And it reminded me, I forgot, you know, I've, I've fallen out of that habit because typically right. I'll write it in my notebook. I'm grateful for, you know, even just a few things makes a difference. But if you do it every day, it kind of sets your day right, you know, sets it out on a positive vibe. And it, it really has an impact for anybody listening who, who thinks this, you know, doesn't work. Just, just try it. Just Start your day out with, with a grateful, what are you grateful for? And actually put the pen to paper. Tell us what that does when you put the pen to paper. And then I, I find it interesting you had a jar people were putting it in. Was there a reason for that or was it just to encourage them to do that? I think it was just the visibility of the jar. Mm -hmm. So I do do to my remind. own gratitude practice. I do like exactly what you said. And I think it's so amazing that you're doing this already. So I do it in bed in my head, but then I do it once. I do journaling after I do my meditation and I'll always write something for which I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. But yes, in it was really just visibility. So we wrote gratitude jar on it mm -hmm. and um, I, I like recently, a, I have a neighbor who she, a new neighbor, and I just wanted to go over and bring a gift and she has young kids and I brought them gratitude jars. And I thought, you know, this might seem a little weird, like I'm giving them this empty jars, right? But I think it's such a meaningful thing. And right now we're so, I feel like we feel like we've been ripped off in so many ways, right? Like no graduations and, and proms and yeah. weddings and vacations and Forget, you know, yeah. income and all that other stuff that's getting canceled. Right. But yeah. by rather focusing on what we're grateful for, we're we're improving our well-being. Yeah. And there is so much science behind that. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And, and you know, what is it? July 15th here, uh, 2020. We've just, you know, gone through almost uh, three, four, five months of a lot of negative things, a lot of just bombarded every day, bomb, bomb, bomb. I mean, the news has always been negative, but it just recently just really driving home a lot of negative things. Facebook has just become a negative place um, on, on many levels. And, you know, I've been, you know, I, I've been caught up in it, to be honest. Um, and it's just, it's not good for the person to have so much negative thoughts. So that's why you have to combat this stuff. And, you know, you talked about health, uh, stress, you know, all this stuff where, you know, everybody is stressed out, it seems. And you can really tell by people's comments and the way they're interacting with each other. I mean, they just like, it's a thin, you know, they're, everybody's got to walk on eggshells. Um, otherwise, you know, and, and even I, you know, at times I've just, you know, lose, lose it online or in person or whatever. So how does mindfulness and, and stress, by the way, I don't think anybody would argue stress is like super unhealthy. It's, it's, you know, if, if we should be, if there should be a war on something, it should be a war on stress, you know, and, <laughs> you know, toxins and, and this type of stuff. But how, are, how is mindfulness combating stress and improving health in people's lives? Such a beautiful question. And I, everything you just said resonated with me. I know we are so reactive, right? We're just in this, we're, we're living in survival mode. And I'll, I'll actually explain a little bit about the science behind that. But I also wanted to say, you know, we are ready to jump on everyone, right? Like someone mm. says something that we don't agree with, and we're very divisive as a country right now. And I think this is such an important podcast you're doing because it, you know, this is how we can deal with it. And, you know, I had mentioned initially that there's, you know, these components of mindfulness. One of them is compassion. I mean, there are many others, mm -hmm. but these are the ones I find important. And one of them is compassion. And that's also self-compassion. So when you do react, forgive yourself, right? We're all human. So mm -hmm. that's an important thing to think about. And then remember that non-judgment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, try not to judge others and yourself. And that's really, a, you know, these are all components. So I want to talk a little bit about the innate stress response we have because stress reduction is, you know, it, it's very easy to sell people on saying mindfulness is not an easy sell. Like right. people will roll their eyes. I, right. I was on the wellness committee at my kid's high school and I would use the word mindfulness and it didn't go over that well. And then I'd say stress reduction and they'd go, oh, yes, 
everyone's ears perked up. So, um, so here's a little quick evolutionary biology lesson, and I'll try not to make it boring, but humans are built for survival, but we are not built for chronic stress. So millions of years ago, our brains were designed just to monitor threats for our survival. So if a saber-toothed tiger was in, you know, in the woods and we'd see it, it would send an alert to our brain. And the amygdala is that region in the brain. It's made up of two almond-shaped formations that are kind of like our panic button. And when that alarm goes off, we, we get set into that fight or flight response. We've all heard of that. And that is essentially the stress response also known as survival mode. So this would send oxygen to the blood um, or oxygen and blood to the extremities so that we could fight or we could run. Mm -hmm. And um, our, our brain would signal production of those two stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. And we'd increase blood pressure, blood sugar. We'd suppress the immune system so that all of our resources to, could go toward survival. And that was brilliant, but it was not meant for long term. Right. You were meant for 20 minutes to fight off or run from whatever, you know, was a threat or yeah. or a perceived threat. So now we're living in this society where, you know, we're really not fighting for our survival most of the time. We're rather fighting to fight. Right. So we're living in this stress mode and all our resources are being used toward as if our body needs to survive and they're not being used for what they should be, which is, you know, our immune system and regenerating cells. And so um, our bodies react. And, and this is a really important thing I'm about to say. Our conscious mind is a little slow. Our body reacts and recognizes this stress response before our conscious mind is aware. Mm. So we're in, you know, on a job site and something pisses us off or someone takes our wet saw or, or walks, the dog walks on our freshly set tile. I'm throwing in random things sure, sure. and me or the installer or whomever it is feels their hearts start to beat fast or, you know, their throats start to close. And before they're even aware of observing the situation, this survival mode kicks in. Mm-hmm. And the reason uh, you know, we've all heard that expression, shake it off, right? Mm-hmm. Just shake it off. That came from, you know, a literal explanation of the stress response. So we're making cortisol and adrenaline. If you ever see an animal hiding in a bush from, you know, a dangerous situation, they are literally, the adrenaline has been pumped into their body and adrenaline cannot be reabsorbed after it's been, you know, um, after it's been emitted. So Mm -hmm. the body has to literally shake it off. So here we are in stress mode and our bodies are saying, Hey, I've given you all this adrenaline and cortisol so that you can run and punch whomever. And instead what we really, and the only way to get rid of it is to shake it off. And so we feel this stress response. So before our conscious mind notices can say, Oh wait, someone did something upsetting I am now um, in survival mode and my sympathetic nervous system is going crazy. Before we can recognize that, our body says, oh my God, I'm jittery. I'm upset. I mean, I've been in a situation where I tried to respond to an email very unmindfully. You know, someone said something upsetting that wasn't true Mm. or I, I believed it was not true and I perceived it as a threat. I could not type because my hands were shaking so hard. And so that was my, that was, I literally looked up and said, oh my God, you know, adrenaline, cortisol. And so mindfulness allows us to kind of take a step back and say, here I can self-regulate. I have these methods that I can use to counteract this stress response. And so we have the stress response that is elicited by the sympathetic nervous system. And then we have the relaxation response, which is kind of like the brake pedal or the Mm -hmm. parasympathetic nervous system. And so the ways that we can kind of turn on the brake when we feel the accelerator, the stress response, they're just four super simple techniques I like to use. Taking three deep breaths sounds silly, but you're actually giving yourself time, right? Mm-hmm. It takes time to breathe. And we're you're initiating that relaxation response. Another one, and this is a, a, a good thing to know, extending our exhales. So by, say you breathe in for a count of four 
and you breathe out for a count of six. You've now extended your exhales and that allows the heart rate and the blood pressure to go down. So now we've actually self-regulated and consciously initiated this relaxation response. So just knowing that you have these tools is helpful. And then, you know, stilling your mind. I mean, you know, I know meditation sounds like something crazy and woo-woo for a lot of people, but when you start to do it, or even if you're doing it very incorporating it into your regular life. A meditation can be walking through the woods. It can be doing something that is stilling your mind. Your brain reprograms itself to do that automatically after a while. And then, you know, one other thing is this focusing on compassion. So we stop making the cortisol and the brain instead, you know, triggers um, production of serotonin and dopamine, those feel good pleasure hormones mm-hmm. and so, or chemicals. And so there are a lot of ways that we can, you know, self-regulate, I'm going to call it, actually take this autonomic nervous system of ours and regulate it through our actions. So, um, Ron says it's hard for 28 days. Is that a- <laughs> if you do it for one minute a day, it's easy after like three days. Okay. Okay. Ron's probably doing it for a longer time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that 28 day thing or, or three or four week thing is like, right. like any habit, right? Like any habit, you have to develop that habit before you, you know, get into it and, and start really practicing it. And, you know, Ron's right. You have to get over that hump. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to say it's not working, you know, yada, yada, yada. I mean, sometimes some of this stuff will work instantly. For me, the Grateful Journal, um, I mean, that works yeah. almost instantly. You know, I did it this morning. I'm in a great mood. Um, I, I, you know, I love the subject. I, I, I love all this. I, I believe in all this. So um, let's keep going here. What you, you gave us some good tips to kind of you know, control our anger, control ourselves in, in the heat of the moment, so to speak, bring ourselves down to reality, back to reality and kind of, you know, be aware of how we're reacting to the situation. Right. Um, how about in the workplace? Like, how can we yeah. how are you as a company? Because how many employees do you have? Well, we have we have right now five crews and they're like one to three people in each crew. Mm-hmm. And then I have my office manager, my husband and me. Mm-hmm. So, it, and it varies a little bit because believe me, we've been slow, you know, we've, um, we've been slow and March was tough and mm-hmm. I had two installers that didn't even, their wives wouldn't let them come to work. Not mm-hmm. that we had much work. Um, but yeah, so let me tell you, I'll be honest. So in the workplace, I mean, there are a lot of ways to incorporate it. I don't go on job sites as much, but believe me, when I do, I will throw in my mindfulness, um, methods. Yeah. So, you know, this, and, and I'll talk about this because you really need to create a culture of mindfulness. It's not just one person practicing it, although one person practicing it is amazing. It's mm-hmm. already a huge step forward. Um, but I guess I can tell you a little bit about, um, you know, some mindfulness practices that we've we've brought to work and and I can also tell you benefits for business. Um, there was, I, I attended a, a training program through, it's called Silly, no okay. pun intended. It's Search Inside Yourself Lead, Leadership Institute. And I don't know if any of you know this, but Google um, does a lot of classes for their employees. They just mm. provide a lot of classes. They've always done that. They've been known for that. And they had a class called Search Inside Yourself about this inner search and this mindfulness. And it was so popular. It was booked out six months in advance for for a long time. And eventually, it took on its own, kind of became its own entity, not exactly through Google, but it launched through Google's, you know, starting it as a class. And they launched the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. And so I remember one of the first things I was taught there was um, this fabulous expression, mindfulness will make your life work better and your work life better. Yeah. And it's true. And and it really works. So I'll tell you a few things. First, I'll tell you like how to create this culture of mindfulness. So we talked about one of the things I think is super important. And I mean, in any industry, but I'll say in, in my experience in the tile industry, you know, any problems we have that become installation problems, problems, 
are really communication problems. There was some break in communication at some point. And so it's not necessarily, I mean, even if it's a bad installation, and I want to tell you we're perfect and we never have bad installations, but unfortunately we're made of humans. (laughs) So like we've, you know, uh, as I say, we're our, our, best installer on his worst day. And if something happens, there's some type of communication issue or he, sometimes it's this inner communication with self. So I say, you know, promote mindful listening techniques and make communication intentional and effective. So as you're speaking to me, you know, as opposed to, I think a lot of us will listen to someone and decide what we're about to say while we're listening, right? So we kind of stop listening. But if you stop that and you just listen and let your response be based on what you hear, not not what you already want to say, but truly, you know, listen with the intention of letting that other person be heard. It's a super important tactic in mindfulness. So if you're on the phone, you know, so I say, look at people in the eyes, right? Like I'm trying to look you in the eye through this video. (laughs) And if we're on the phone, one other way to do it is, you know, maybe just repeat a few words back to show that um, you're being heard. My daughter took her driver exam yesterday and there was a true communication problem. And the the person can't come in the car with you anymore because of the pandemic. So you know, there was a hearing issue and, and it didn't result well for so, my, my little girl. Oh no. And, you know, I talk about, and I said to her afterwards and you know how crushing that is, right. To have to wait a couple more weeks to get your license. And I said, you will remember the lesson from this more than you will remember if you had just passed oh, and, you know, communication is important. So what, um, what are they doing? Like a FaceTime in the, in the car? No, like it's a- so crazy, Luke. So you go in there and I get in the car with her and then we drive to the little course. And then I get out of the car and I wait under a tree with other awaiting parents. And the instructors stand about 20 feet from the car or 10 feet from the car and direct them. They're never in the car. Wow. Everyone's masked. So you can't read lips. Right. And there was a major communication problem. And I said, you know, this is an example. I mean, you know, and it's interesting though, right? So we're pivoting all the time during this pandemic, having to do things differently. And so mindfulness is so important because we we're learning, we're, we're evaluating, we're listening, we're, and when we're present and we notice what goes wrong, Mm. we can learn from it. Um, and and I'm gonna I, I can kind of weave this into what happened yesterday with the driving too. I, um, promote empathy. So promoting empathy at work is super important. Put yourself in other people's shoes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I said to my daughter, I'm like, sweetie, it wasn't your fault. You know, she didn't communicate that well. And she's like, mom, she was really upset too. I think she really wanted me to pass. And it was so beautiful to see my daughter find empathy for the person who failed her, I was like, okay, good. I love that. You know, there's something. So really putting ourselves in each other's shoes, because I mean, you have no idea how many drawings I've done for installers and they come to me and they're like, yeah, it's easy to do that with a pencil, you know, (laughs) try to do it with a wet saw and, you know, um, and when, you know, your wall's not plumb. And so put yourself in other people's shoes. And then one other practice we do, um, I have always said, allow for short, regular breaks. So my office manager now, my office manager before her, me, we take these walking breaks during mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I say like to any any business owners or, or managers, you know, that time off work is still time on work because they are resetting. Mm-hmm. They are resetting their mindset. Um they're, you know, it's productive. Taking a break yeah. is productive. Yeah. And this is in life. That's why we take vacations. Yeah, you know, sure. it, it's so important in all relationships. And again, you know, there's this parallel between our personal life and our business life. What we practice in one, we should practice in the other, these interpersonal connections. So also, um, we talked about, you know, focusing on curiosity, non-judgment, compassion and also innovation like allow people if you're if you're not sitting there criticizing them they have the space to be a little creative a little innovative mm. take a little risk yeah and then also to create this culture of mindfulness we can use terminology 
and methods to create this culture. I, I remember, I know in prison systems where they're using mindfulness and in Title I schools where they're using mindfulness, you're seeing these kids that were, were carrying guns and, and truly from hostile home situations with no support and no, you know, kindness and, and no wonderful role models coming to school and saying, you know, I need to take a three minute breath or, yeah. a, um, or I need to take a moment to arrive. That's a, and also in prison, you know, incarcerated, um, with incarcerated populations where they're teaching them this new terminology. So instead of, you know, just using expletives, which is how we usually, and believe me, I'm as guilty, you know, yeah. I'm in the construction industry too. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah, learned. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we can find a new terminology. So you could say like, I need a one minute reset or I need my, um, you know, three deep breaths and, mm. and create this culture and, you know, where it's okay to, it's not weird. It's not shameful. It's, you know, it's yeah. okay to use these terms and, and then create this new terminology that's understood. And, it, you know, in what I learned through the silly program, the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute is to really create cultures. So I know I can't make all my installers and helpers and everyone on the job site, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm would like that to happen. And that is my goal right. one day. <laughs> but for now, you know, just having one person or seeing someone sitting meditating, you know, you might laugh at first and then you might think that's kind of beautiful. And what have they got going on? Because they certainly seem to be less reactive. Yeah. So, so we can create these cultures, even in the construction industry. And I can say for the tile industry, I mean, I have received such wonderful, um, compassionate openness mm. and feedback. And I really think, you know, I don't know if all aspects of the construction industry are like this. I know the tile industry best, but, you know, yeah, NTCA has been amazing and, and other colleagues I know. I mean, we've cried together over these last few pandemic months, mm. you know, you know, big yeah. men yeah. and girls and yeah. whomever we've, we've, we've shared some very, you know, human moments together. And I think having compassion be okay in the workplace is important. Yeah. And, and really what you're talking about here is building a culture, building, you know, a team that really, you know, has a, a similar goal in mind and, and can work together and, you know, be empathetic. I mean, it, it just sounds great. It sounds like something that, you know, you can really move forward with and, and then continue to scale. And like you said, it's your empower anybody who wants to build a business you have to empower people you have to let them do their thing and trust them but you give them like little tools along the way to say hey here's how you're going to you know be able to do this take take a walk you know step back from your work if if you're confused or you know distraught step back from your work and go get some fresh air and, and you know, take yourself away from the situation and come back and uh, approach it with a maybe some new thoughts that you had or, you know, some new eyes on it. And we've all experienced this as tile setters. We, we get up and we look, you know, we look at the work. Um, so I, you know, it's super important. Like Ron's saying here, it's like tapping into a secret power. It's so true. It, it's right there all along. Each one of us can do it. And um, we need to do it. Let's talk a little bit. Have you tracked kind of the business benefits? I mean, how is it re in real time, real world experience? How is it affecting your business? Or maybe you can even cite other examples. I mean, you, you cited some examples earlier. Yeah. Wow. So I, I would like to answer that. And, you know, we're, we're a small company, so I, I don't have kind of physical data that I can show sure. you, but I can, I can tell you about some experiences. And first of all, I love what Ron said. It is such a superpower. And you also said something. And again, that word power came up. You said it's empowering. You, you can, you know, what we're doing is to empower people. Mm. And I think that is so important what you said, because um, what we really want to do is make people feel like empowered and that they have a say in something. And, so I'll tell you my own experiences. Um, so with, and again, you know, I am, I'll, I deal mostly with clients. Mm -hmm. I deal with my office manager, Bernardo, my husband deals more with the installers, but there have been occasions where, you know, the, I mean, when I'm on job sites, I'm super mindful of letting the installer be heard mm -hmm. because I can come in and I hear 
often if I'm there, there's a complaint, right? Okay. Or I'm there to guide them. And, you know, I can say, do this, do that. But I don't have the beautiful skill and artistry that the installers and I don't know their limitations. And so um, one of the things I've noticed is by shutting my mouth, and this is truly a practice. Um, we did this, like this, this practice in I've done with groups, and it's so hard now because we're we're not in person. But where you are in a group, and I'll have two people, and usually strangers. So if we're in a new group, talk to each other, and um, you take turns listening and hearing, and you look each other in your in the eyes, and of course, how awkward, right? Looking a stranger yeah. in the eyes for two minutes straight, wow. and they're talking to you, and they're revealing some type of conflict that they're having in their life. Mm-hmm. And the first thing people want to do is say, oh, my God, I know I I want that we want to show empathy. And that is such an innate thing. So we always want to search for that empathy. So I have found when I go onto the job site, the first thing I do is listen to my installers complain (laughs) because they need to complain. They need to be heard. And I will tell you just by shutting my mouth, because sometimes they expect me to come there and say, either tell them what my... um, client complained about. And I'm really giving you moments of conflict. 98% of our moments are wonderful and joyful and (laughs) go well. But the 2%, we have this, you know, negativity bias. We only remember the negative. And so when there is a conflict, the most important thing is to allow someone to be heard Mm -hmm. and really be heard, not listen to, okay, I'm going to let you speak. And then I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. Rather, I'm going to let you speak and then I'm going to evaluate the situation based on what you're telling me. And, you know, so letting them be heard is sometimes 90% of the problem. Sometimes Bernardo, my husband will say, you talk to the installer because he won't listen to me. And maybe because my husband and he are butting heads and um, they both understand the same concept, sometimes bringing a fresh perspective Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the, heard the term beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. So kind of approaching something with like almost the mindset of a child. So even though right. you've, in, you've been installing, you know, mud set with weep holes and waterproofing with that old system a thousand times, I'm telling you, you should use the, you know, schluter Curdy system. And you're going to say, no, 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 this is how it's done. And, and I were joking, but I'm serious. (laughs) (laughs) But you, I've had to say that to, to, you know, people who did it a different way. And by the way, there are a million ways to do things. We know there's not one way to do things, but trying to get our installers and our clients, my gosh, our clients and builders to approach things with a beginner's mind. So I'll say, could you open yourself up to this? And, you know, one of the things, one of the most constructive sentences and questions I've ever been told, and you you kind of brought this up before, you said, we need to empower people. Mm-hmm. It's to say to someone, what do you need right now? Mm-hmm. What would serve you right now? Sometimes it's to vent. That might it. be enough. Yeah. Sometimes it's to say, you know, I need someone else to hear me, or I need you to give me this. You, as one of the owners, I need you to provide me with some instructions, Mm -hmm. or I need the client to not look over my shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so, and I say this, this, this sentence, um, you know, what do you, what would best serve right now? Or what do you need right now? That is a question that can be asked on every job site, in every office, in every marriage, Mm -hmm. with every child teacher, you know, that is just such a simple question. And sometimes we need to ask ourselves, I'm alone. I'm frustrated. I'm depressed. I'm not even sure why. Maybe it's because there's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just depressed. Right. What do I need right now? And that's that that self-compassion. You know, so this idea of compassion is self-compassion, compassion for others, and then really listening to them and saying, what do you need right now? Because a lot of times we can offer them something that may be so obvious, but we didn't think about it because we're looking at it with the same mindset. And if we bring in that beginner's mindset, that that way of looking at something with fresh eyes and no judgment and compassion, and, and again, curiosity, I use that term, curiosity Bring curiosity to, to the job site, not judgment. Hey, this this shower pan's leaking. Why? Not why. Why is this shower pan yeah. leaking? Why is this shower pan leaking? Let's investigate it. Yeah. 
you know, that curiosity over judgment. That's a good way to interact with people on, you know, Facebook, Instagram as well. Like, oh, I noticed you're doing, you're doing it this way. Why, why are you doing that? I mean, you might learn something or, you know, you, you know, you might help someone uh, fix something that they're doing wrong. Totally. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. You know, um, one more question here uh, before we wrap this up. Um, rewiring our brain. Uh, as contractors, I mean, we all kind of, you know, most of us take a similar path in life. Um, some of us are like, you know, almost like rejects to society. You know, I'll raise my hand, you know, uh, just like just different type of people. Uh, maybe we've had a harder life. Um, maybe we, you know, uh, just really have a hard time um, grasping certain concepts or, you know, the people I coach, you know, tile contractors, business owners, a lot of them say, well, I, I don't want to charge that much. I, I can't or I can't charge that much in my area or I, I don't want to rip people off. I mean, all these kind of like bad mindsets that we've somehow right. developed over the years or been taught, like lied to and we believe them. How can we start to rewire our mind to move past things and just in a general sense, or if you want to talk about something specific that I mentioned? I love everything you just said. And also that that thing about the construction industry, right? You said rejects, right? You said we're like, oh, maybe we failed out of school. Maybe we were told we weren't good at writing. And, mm-hmm. you know, my husband is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And he is not highly educated, but he is brilliant. Mm-hmm. He is an artisan. He is the best problem solver I know. I mean, he's got a million flaws. Don't get me wrong. But there is this, I think he did feel like in this culture, you know, in Italy, being an artisan has mm. bears some respect. And here it's like, oh, you're a laborer. You're in your blue collar. You're so we've got to really just get rid of all the labels. That is one thing. Get rid of the labels. Every single person is worthy of respect. Every single person is brilliant in some ways and struggles in other ways. And so Right. One thing I want to say about rewiring the brain, there are very specific things about rewiring the brain. But, you know, your brain is made a certain way. And Mm -hmm. you're like, here you are, this whatever brought you on this path. You're an entrepreneur. You're um, you had the, you know, the courage to start your own business. I certainly wouldn't have. My husband had his own business. And if I wanted to keep him in the United States, I had to make a business here and I Mm -hmm. had to take some risks. I didn't have the courage without him. I wouldn't have. Um, So we want to rewire our brains for the things that aren't working and, and, you know, kind of take advantage of those that are working. So, um, there's a neuroscience expression. You actually can train an old brain, new tricks. Mm. And, there's a there's a term called neuroplasticity. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it, it refers to the brain is essentially able to change its form and its function mm. just from re- repeated activities. So repeated practice. And I think um, Aristotle said we are what we repeatedly do. And in yoga, in my yoga teacher training, you know, we learn that we practice, we don't perfect. We practice, practice, mm. practice. That's just that's how life is. So practicing. So the way to rewire the brain is, is honestly through, obviously through these meditation and mindfulness practices, but um, we have to understand really what thoughts are. So we, we actually have to rethink to rewire. Mm-hmm. So if you ask, what are our thoughts? Thoughts, I, to me, this is, this always fascinated me. And I remember learning this in like my early, you know, freshman year psychology class that um, thoughts are neurons or brain cells that fire or send signals within the brain. And these nerve cells that fire together also wire together to form um, what are called neural networks or neural nets, which are really thought patterns. Mm -hmm. So once we keep thinking something, Mm -hmm. our brain starts to do it automatically. That's our subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And we live most of our life through our subconscious mind. So uh, Understand that we as humans for survival have a negativity bias. We tend to concentrate on the negative, like there's something dangerous there. And, you know, our day, 5,000 good things happen and two bad things happen and we concentrate on the bad things and our subconscious mind fixates on them. And our subconscious mind says, you know, you're going to fail. You should be, um, you have self-doubt, be shameful, shame and blame. We shame and blame. So what we want to do is, and this is 
probably a somewhat new concept for the construction industry. This is, I'm taking a little of this from my yoga philosophy training. And so um, to rewire the brain, we have to think wisely and we have to think non-harmfully. So remember, thinking as we think, we wire the brain. So mm -hmm. rethinking is rewiring. So there is a concept in the yoga sutras, the ancient yoga teachings called ahimsa, which means non-harm. And it, it deals with our deeds, our words, and our thoughts. Mm. So, you know, our thoughts are create the most harm. So what we want to do is reprogram or rewire our thoughts to not criticize ourselves. And, um, and so there is this concept that is sometimes taught in the business world. Its origins are through, you know, Buddhist teachings and Hindu teachings, but you may have heard of it. It's called practicing the three gates of speech. And I, I learned it. Um, the first time I heard it was I honestly want to say like in summer camp or something like mm. that, you know, before you speak. So before speaking, let your words stop at three gates, each of which asks a question. Is it true? Mm. Is it kind? Is it necessary? And I know when you think of rewiring the brain, you're thinking of like creating new nerve endings right. and things like that. But this is really how you do it. What you want to do is start thinking consciously. And every time you catch yourself not doing it, Bring yourself back mm -hmm. to doing, and I use this as the three gates of speech because I use this for the three gates of thought. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I started thinking, you know, um, is, I, you know, I mean, I look in the mirror and I'm seeing new wrinkles mm -hmm. and I'm just giving you an example. Sure. Okay. Women focus on sure. this and men might focus on something else, or I'm looking at my kids and I'm judging them about something, or I'm looking at this job site. I mean, I've, mm -hmm. you know, I've seen clients where I, I walk in and I feel so grateful that we've done this beautiful job and all they see are like the two, you know, the lippage in the yeah. one area and they don't see all the difficulty that went into so many things. And I think, Thank goodness that's not me. I don't see life that way, right? Yeah. So we want to retrain our brains. And let me explain the benefits and like how this practice works. So the benefits of thinking this way and rewiring the brain um, cause notable changes in like how our brain behaves. So reduced rumination. Rumination is that thinking the same thought mm -hmm. over and over mm -hmm. again. And, and I'll just explain really briefly. So when we have an emotion, emotions create a natural arc. They, they start to build up and then they kind of reach a high point and then they go back down unless we perpetuate them with thoughts. Mm -hmm. That is how depression works. That is how, you know, um, even falling in love works, right? We're right. like that. Oh, and we reperpetuate it with, oh, he's so groovy or yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I mean, obviously with our children, we love them, but with all kinds of love and all kinds of negative feelings. So as I said before, your brain is wired a certain way, use it the way it's wired. Well, mm -hmm. hold on to that and keep practicing that. You might say, I'm Luke, I'm courageous. I do, you know, yeah. I pivot, I go from a tile contractor to a podcast and I can just keep creating and being yeah. innovative and use that. Yeah. And then the part of you that's not working, you want to rewire. So kind of take note and of what's not working. So, um, you know, this, the, if you see yourself ruminating over something negative, yeah. really become the observer of your thought, stop and say, Oh gosh, I keep, you know, posting mean political posts, or I, I'm so reactive. I keep getting, you know, I'm, I'm ruminating and, you yeah. know, you know, you might do it. We get neurotic about our health. We can ruminate about health issues. We can ruminate about anything. Mm -hmm. But when you notice that repetitive thought process, you can stop it. You can say, okay, this is just a thought. I control it and I can rethink it. And I mean, there's so much I can go into, but I'll say the bottom line with this rewiring of the brain is this increased resilience, which is a very general concept. So this capacity to recover quickly from adversity or stress. So when you kind of, I'll say the one lesson of mindfulness is mindfulness makes us the observer. Instead of being caught in this narrative, in this story that we're telling ourselves, our thoughts create a narrative, a mm -hmm. story. When we become mindful, we can say, Oh my God, look, I'm telling myself these, this story and I'm creating these thoughts and I'm just the observer of them. Let me, let me just step outside the situation and see that 
I'm merely an observer. I'm not my thoughts. I'm not a failure. I'm not mm. whatever it is that you're struggling with. I'm just thinking that mm. and I can retrain those thoughts. And so, you know, a big part of mindfulness is breath. There are lots of breath techniques. Um, I know we're going to run out of time, but there's like a couple that are I can do in like 30 seconds and they can be life changing. Yeah. So we can get weird for five seconds. Let's and, do it. Yeah. Okay. yeah 30 seconds, so whatever. Let's there's one, I, I'm doing super simple ones. So um, there's one called lion's breath and my amazing, one of my mentors, Sandy Abrams, who wrote a, um, this amazing book on breath and she, it's called breathe to succeed. She mm. wrote it for the workplace for entrepreneurs. And she, she and I do this and she teaches it in her session. So it's called lion's breath. So I'm going to do it once. And then you and I are going to do it together three times. We're going to get weird. Okay. (laughs) So it's like the primal scream of breath and it's a super easy way to reset. So I breathe in through my nose and then I breathe out through my mouth and stick out my tongue. So we're going to do three lion's breaths, Luke. Okay. And Ron or whoever's in the background there, you got to join in. I want to see your tonsils. (laughs) Okay. So. (sighs) So. You could have screamed at your spouse or you could have done lion's breath. You could do Mm. it in the supermarket. And then one other thing I said, you know, is to, if you feel yourself in a, having that stress response, increase your exhale. So whatever you can count your inhale, I always say count inhale for four, exhale for six, Mm. do it a few times. And then one other technique that I know the Marines do and a lot of military um, training incorporates this is called box breath. Inhale for four hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. Mm. And that, I know we're running out of time, so I'm not going to do it, but that is just providing you with the space to reset. Reset your body, reset your mind. Yeah. I love it. I love it, Jana. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, Thank Um, you so much for, for taking this as an important, you know, concept. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if anybody, you know, um, you know, thinks otherwise, just, you know, put it to practice. I challenge you, you know, put some of this stuff to practice uh, and see how it's changing your life. I've been focusing on breathing. I've been doing some, some kind of long-term breath work, meditation exercises, and it's really opening up my mind. Um, almost like, you know, almost, you know, I, I've never done LSD, but almost like, you know, that type of experience, it can really take you there to where you're really thinking about things on, on almost like a higher level. And again, I know it sounds funny, but it's, it's so true. And I want to help, um, tile contractors everywhere, business owners. So Jonna, if somebody wants to know more, if they want to, you know, talk to you, where do they find you? Where do they reach out and learn so, more about this? Um, well, valafuoco.com is our tile website. And my personal website also links to it, jonnavalafuoco.com or wisdomontap.com. It's easier to spell okay. and pronounce. Um, and I'll be posting, I'm going to be doing, I do some private uh, meditation classes, but I'm going to be doing weekly public classes live and I'll be uploading my YouTube channel, which is, you can access it on my website mm. and we can do a meditation at some point, Luke. Well, I know yeah, Ron, that'd be great. whoever there will join yeah, us. We've had, a, we've had a handful of people here the whole time. Um, some hopping and out, but we've had a, a core group here. So great. I, people are interested. It's a good, it's a good thing. It's a good pursuit. So once again, thank you, John. I appreciate thank you. you. I'm welcome. so grateful for this this time with you, Luke. You're welcome. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. All right, Tile friends. That was uh, John. Uh, Ron's uh, giving you your um, you his phone number there. Um, so listen, friends, this stuff is real. This stuff is impactful. As she was talking, as I was asking her about rewiring the brain there, I remembered a couple different circumstances in my life personally. About 15 years ago, I was in this habit of saying I'm stupid and I would verbally say it. I'm stupid multiple times throughout the day. And I was working with Matt Haynes, a great tile installer, a great builder. And I was his apprentice and Matt kept hearing me say this. And every time I said that, he said, don't say that, Luke, you're not stupid. You're not stupid. And he would say that. 
So he would say that and, and it changed my life. I said, okay, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to say that anymore. And it allowed me to kind of move past that. And I don't believe I'm stupid anymore. And then of course, the second example is my beautiful wife. She's such a positive person. Um, she's such a great person that again, you know, she, she would catch me saying and doing negative things or even talking negative about, um, you know, whatever politics people, she doesn't do that. She's one of the few people I know who do not, uh, talk negative about other people and other other things in a negative light. So she's always, you know, looking for the good in others and, and really talking about things instead of people. And so being married to her now for, um, what is it, uh, a good solid 12 years, going on 13 years, uh, has really changed my life, my thinking. I really can say that I've rewired my brain. I have more work to do. I'm, con it's you know, we're constantly, you know, tuning up our bodies, our minds. We have to treat our minds the same way we would our bodies. You know, if you want to, you know, grow muscles, you work out, right? It's the same with your mind. So Tile Friends, this is uh, big. This is real. Uh, think about it. I want you to, you know, take some of this stuff to heart and, and put it to work. Um, all right, Tile friends. Well, thank you all for being here today and, and sharing and having some comments. Uh, I appreciate you all. And until next week, uh, we'll stay profitable out there, please. Uh, all these podcast episodes I'm recording live will be turned into audio podcasts. So if you can't catch them live, um, I know you're working, but this is just how I'm doing it now. It's, it's fun to do it this way. So talk to you next week, Tile friends. Stay profitable out there. <laughs>